What's up, guys? Welcome to the Here to Evolve podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Alessandra. And today we're going to give you some real world examples for kind of what we've been talking about the last few episodes. So basically breaking down our routines um, and just giving some anecdotal feedback. But first, if you are you are a new listener, two main things we hit on in this podcast, business, health and fitness. Business side of things, we offer a unique perspective because we're not at the top of the food chain by any means, but we have had a lot of success. Um, we're, we're growing. We, have, we run two businesses, SD Evolution, an online health coaching company, and Fit Coach Pro. We lease the software we use for SD Evolution to other coaches. Um, so just kind of sharing some things that have worked, some things that have not worked. Um, just basic advice you can take whether you're an entrepreneur or you work for somebody else to make sure that you are getting the most uh, success out of whatever you're doing. Health and fitness side of things, as I mentioned, we run SD Evolution, that online health coaching company. Our job there is similar to what we're trying to do with this podcast. So filter through the bullshit and explain things in a more realistic way, more reasonable way to uh, to you guys, to our clients, and make this so it's not overwhelming. So just kind of giving you guys basic tools to, that you can use you know, throughout your day-to-day life. But diving into what we're going to go through today, I feel like we've taken some pretty good steps forward more recently in regards to what we do with our personal situation for you know our, our health regimen and things we've been doing for personal development. So I kind of wanted to dive in and give some real world examples for the basic concepts we've expl- been explaining the past couple episodes. So Someone take this today, however you want to take it. Well, I just want to start by saying, <laughs> yes, I agree. We've been very consistent with what we are doing and our daily habits and just what we focus on and I would say it probably took a good two to maybe even well how long have we been in our house February 1st was like our first day so we've been here three months it probably took a good two months to really establish what we're doing right now and someone today dm'd me and they were like have you and Josh ever thought about doing like survivor or like one of those tv shows because she's like you know i see the things that you guys do every day and it's just like it's it's really badass and it's really awesome and it was funny to me because i never really thought about it that way i guess like i think of the things that we do daily like i'm sure she's referring to like the cold showers and like the more somewhat catchy things but like but i will say it was 76 degrees in our house yesterday and everybody wanted me to turn the air conditioning on so we we're not built for for survivor at this point in time <laughs> well not i ready told her we would never do that anyway but i mean it's just funny because i think that as a society we sort of view these simple things and this goes for like even just eating healthy whole foods as things that are almost weird like it's been so normalized for people to eat unhealthy and for people to not exercise every day and for sort of just the opposite effect of everything to be the normal that the healthy people and the the people like me and you who are showing up and doing these tasks every day are almost like the weirdos would you agree yeah that's kind of that was kind of the premise for that cardio post that I put up that actually got a decent amount of heat. Like, oh, I don't, I'm not even going to dive through them. It was silly. But it's like doing the normal, quote unquote, normal things that actually serve your body well are like being ousted because it's not conforming with the, the rules of inclusivity for some reason. And I'm not understanding why. And it's like we're making it sexy to not need to be rigid. And I feel like the industry, like on social media especially, just goes with what's ever sexy in the moment. So it's like, well, for a while now, it's been sexy to just love your body, not need to improve it, regardless of your current health status. Eat whatever the fuck you want. Sleep whenever you want. Go do whatever you want because that's what makes you happy. But are you really happy if you feel like crap every day and you're reducing your lifespan because you're not taking care of yourself in any way, shape, or form? So the current norm is to treat your body like trash. And I'm not saying everybody does that. I'm just saying that's what as a general that's what's kind of promoted right now. Drink, go out and get drunk. Go out and eat meals that could probably feed a whole family on one plate. <laughs> go out and, you know, have fast food and, you know, supplements are considered something that is an expense and too expensive for people to um, you know, purchase. But when, $80 in alcohol and right. one night at a bar is 
is not expensive. And that's not to say supplements are necessary. Like that's a whole another topic. But like just as an example, like people will not pay for a gym membership or a trainer or a coach or supplement or anything that is adding true value to their life. But they will go out and just like, you know, blow money on Starbucks or alcohol or going out to dinner every every weekend. And it's it comes down to obviously doing what you want with your money but if at the end of the day you are truly unhappy and not thriving and not thriving physically in your body then something has to change um I think I kind of took this episode to a different down a different path but um it, it definitely relates I mean my point was just as a society generally speaking we glorify the wrong things and it's the people who are focusing on their health and their mental, physical, and emotional health that are sort of the outcasts. Um, We feel this way sometimes because we don't drink alcohol, and it sort of applies to health and fitness too, where you have employees who will make fun of you for choosing the healthier option, or you have, you know, friends who just make fun of you for spending so much time at the gym. But at the end of the day, you have to do what truly adds value to your life. And that's what we're going to talk about in this episode, just on a personal level from what Josh and I have been doing. So I want to jump in real quick because the pull on that point, like I feel like a lot of people that things that we're going to talk about today, people may be uncomfortable implementing for what we just talked about with social media, but also for just the immediate pressure they get from those around, like around them currently work, friends, whatever it is doing those quote-unquote normal things that you should be doing to thrive are looked down upon and i think we've talked about this in other episodes but they just they don't feel good about where they're at so they don't it makes them uncomfortable the fact that you're trying to improve yourself because they're not on that level of commitment to do those things so i'll let you take it back it's not something that's wrong with you it's not a you problem it's a them problem if they're giving you shit for any of this it's a them problem so just keep that in mind throughout your life or throughout any episodes that you listen to, whether it's from us or any other health and wellness podcasts, you know, do the things that make that add value to your life, allow you to get uncomfortable and allow you to grow and rant. So let's talk about our daily habits and what we're doing. Before we even dive into the specifics, I will start by saying what we've been doing recently and like what I've kind of dove into specifically has a lot to do with personal experimentation. So what I'm saying now isn't to totally disregard quote unquote science, but I do think that science is done in a lab, whereas we live in real life. Like in the real world, certain things work certain ways and you don't know the controls and the variables they applied in a certain lab and how you would respond specifically. No one, no one applied these studies specifically to your body, so we can't say this is exactly how you're gonna respond. So if you're not feeling great and you do want to fine tune some things and something's interesting to you and you think you can maintain it for the long term, so I'm not talking about jumping on a keto diet for three months and then implementing carbs later on. I'm talking about something that might even be a little bit crazy, quote unquote, ice baths, (laughs) crazy things along those lines. See how you feel. Do it for a set amount of time. Say, hey, I'm going to do this for at least a month. I'm going to do this for a month, track how I feel you know, take averages throughout the course of that month. If it works, great. If it doesn't move on. But I will say like certain things, I feel like they come full circle and they change throughout time. And this study said this and that study said that. And you could always probably find a study that says one thing or the other, depending on what your viewpoint is. So do the study on yourself. Pull something into your life that interests you. You're intrigued by it and just see how you feel on on a personal level. Don't listen to anyone else. Go, I've been going so much more off anecdotal stuff like this this thing worked for that person and in the past like oh fuck that that the science doesn't say the studies don't say yada 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 if it works it works and in 10 years there might be another study that says you know what this did do something for this type of demographic right we are, we are science backed with a lot of what we preach to you guys that's something that you know has been important to us is to make sure we're not just saying things that are not backed but at the same time it is important to figure out what works best for you and if what works best for you does not is not currently supported by a research study but you're thriving then that's a win and that's okay so I think it's important to be open and important to like Josh said experiment and that's really the only way 
that you're going to figure out what does work best for you. So have an open mind. And also I was going to say something else that completely just, I lost it, but it was along the lines of, oh, so obviously, you know, I've been on social media for a long time. And even with me just posting my daily cold showers the last couple of weeks without really any context, I've had people tagging me and asking me you know, questions are like saying that they started doing it because they saw me doing it. Don't just do something because someone you follow is doing it. And that includes me. Like if you are just going to blindly jump in a cold shower because you saw me doing it and you didn't do any research or like anything about how to do it, that's a little bit silly. So and on that exact point, if you are doing it that way, because someone else, so for this exact example, you hopped in the cold shower because you saw Alessandra do it. You're not, I mean, you're going to get some of the physical benefits, but on the mental side of things, there is an aspect to this where you need to be doing it with a purpose. So actively understanding that the discomfort you're feeling is making you better. If you're not focusing on the right things and doing the right techniques mentally and physically, you're not getting the same benefits from it. So even if it is good for you, if you're not doing it the right way, you're not going to receive the benefits of what we're doing. That being said, if you do see someone doing something and you're interested and you're listening to their story and not just that one video, you're actually doing your due diligence, doing your research on what's actually happening, then play with it, implement it. that's what I meant. But do your work, put the effort in, don't just watch it on social media and do every little thing because you're gonna be running in circles and trying everything and getting nowhere. Well, that was the thing, like I had a couple people say they were doing it and like, you know, dancing around in the shower and washing their hair while they're taking their cold shower and I'm like, no, 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 no. There is a purpose and you know, a specific reason why I do it this way. Um, so that was a part of the reason why I do want to share and just talk more about that specifically, but we are going to talk about a bunch of different things in this episode. So, I mean, do you want to start going, are we going through like our morning routines? Are we going through just a general consensus of what we've been doing? Why don't you take it away? I took some notes, go over like the whole thing and then kind of break things down as we go. So Overview, I actually started taking notes on my phone because I had a stretch like two, what, three weeks ago. In the midst of planting 60-something fucking trees, I was wearing myself into the ground but feeling really, really good while I was doing it. So I literally stopped as I was doing this stuff. And I'm like, what have I been doing that got me to this point? Because I've spent the last 10 years trying to heal from Barrett's esophagus, check that off, but I still felt like dog shit as far as energy. And it's it's very frustrating to, as a I consider myself young still, I'm 31, to not have energy to go through, you know, an entire day and feel good and like have the energy to just have a conversation with somebody. Like I'm so tired. I get more tired talking to people than I do actually doing physical stuff, but I still get pretty worn out from doing physical stuff. So I hit a stretch where I'm, I'm like in the midst of this where I feel really, really good. So I stopped, took my gloves off and kind of took some quick notes uh, so I'll just run through this real quick and we'll kind of break down, you know, individually as we go throughout this episode, but digestion is a big part of what I do for Barrett's esophagus. So maximizing digestion and allowing my body time to not, I, I actually haven't been allowing myself enough time to digest before bed. Um, so that was always my biggest hurdle because it was always eat, 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 trying to grow, trying to grow, trying to build. So now being aware and giving myself time to fully digest before going to bed is something I, I put a huge emphasis on. So stopping eating two to three hours before bed. Um, and then upon waking, I was giving myself at least one hour. I am not an intermittent faster. I will not call it intermittent fasting. Um, but again, going into the longevity stuff and some science that's been coming out and experimenting myself personally, I've extended that window. So my eating window is now a bit shorter. It's mostly around 10 hours that I eat and I'm off for 14 hours. Um, So currently I've actually been pushing it to about four hours after I wake up. So I'll I'll eat from nine o'clock in the morning and my last meal I'm done eating. So I'm not starting that meal, but I'm done eating by 7 p.m. So then I'm in bed by nine or 10. That gives gives me my two or three hours of digestion prior to bedtime. Um... And I've been feeling really good. Sometimes that window is a little bit shorter. So I'm eating within eight or nine hours. So clarify, because I know some people will probably have questions about this in, you know, you're not, when you wake up in the morning, you're not having coffee. You're not having anything, right? Or is is there anything that you are having? 
Uh, depends on the day. If I'm lifting, I'm, I am eating or drinking um, essentially amino acids. And I am there's nothing in them calorically, so it shouldn't bump up my, my blood glucose. But I am curious. So I actually did just purchase a continuous glucose monitor. So I'm going to wear that for, I don't think it's a week or two weeks. But I leave that on for the entire time. I'm going to track that. I'm going to see if I can drink the... Um, what are they? The hydration sticks, so mm -hmm. electrolytes. I'm gonna yep. see if that boosts it, because uh, there is some potential for that. Uh, and it, this is debated, but quote unquote fake sugar. There's not. There's no calories in it, but the sweetener is potentially giving you a, a really short bump in glucose, taking you out of that fast. So I'm gonna see what my body does for that. Um, but if I'm not working out, usually just my you know my morning chug of water, and I've actually been doing um, a little more than a pinch of salt just in a glass of water and I, I shoot that. The point of that is when you're hungry, you wake up, you're hungry. Um, I don't know the science in this specifically, but from my understanding, based on what I was listening to on the Andrew Huberman podcast, salt is essentially like a neurotransmitter. It's just, it's very helpful for your neurotransmitters. So it is an electrolyte. Your brain needs that. So oftentimes if you're thirsty, a lot of us know that you may just need some sodium or no, actually it's the opposite. If you want that salt, it's because you're thirsty or you need water. So if you're hungry in the morning, doing a little bit of salt in that water is supposed to kind of meet your brain's need in that, in that regard. I've and once I can, do that, I'm, I'm not hungry anymore. I'm well, good. I've heard it can also make you like almost stim simulate what a coffee would do. Like you yep. feel more awake and yep. energized from that. Said that too. I haven't personally tried it, but, um, I think it's interesting. It sounds weirder than it actually is. Like you're thinking about drinking salt water. It's uh, it just tastes salty. Like it's like you just ate something salty. So mm. it's not it's not a huge deal. But I definitely feel better. My hunger is immediately curbed. Like literally within 30 seconds, I'm no longer hungry. Um, so that's helped quite a bit. But yeah, if I'm not lifting, it's usually just you know salt shot. I'm not doing coffee. I typically like to eat, but I have found since I started doing this. I can tolerate coffee a lot better. Which been, you haven't been able to for years. Years. Like I love coffee. I love coffee and it always puts my stomach in knots. And if I have a stretch where I can drink it, it's usually a week and my body's like, nope, you're done. Um, so since I've done this, my theory is that as my body's healing, like it's tolerating that coffee a whole lot better. So I'm very, very happy about that. That's been a daily occurrence since this all started. Yeah, it's really weird saying you drink coffee during the day. Kai, Kai uh, called me out. He's like, Daddy, you don't drink coffee. You drink tea. Because I, I don't. He notices. He notices it's, everything. It's a big thing. So you, that is the intermittent fasting. On, no, it's not intermittent. Well, I, we're not that, So intermittent <laughs> fasting can literally. Let's The definition that, of intermittent then. fasting is when you're not eating all the time. So a normal eating schedule is intermittent fasting because you go from eating to not eating, eating to not eating, eating to not eating. So you can literally call anything intermittent fasting. The public trendy. persona the trendy persona of it is is not what i'm doing i'm not trying to you know do x y and z better like it's it's specifically for my digestive purposes it does boost some longevity markers which i'm still you know learning about so i'm not going to dive into to that too much can you can your body utilize fat a little bit better potentially so you're, you're burning more fat it's potentially that's not why i'm doing it i'm doing it specifically for my digestive purposes and give my body time off from digesting food that's a huge huge amount of stress on your body digesting food especially all the time for somebody like you who eats i mean as a male that has goals of muscle gain you know you're you're eating a lot of food that's regularly. what i've been doing for years and years and years so my body has been under this immense stress for a very long time so i have noticed i'm, I'm much less sluggish again i feel like my digestive system is repairing itself because it has time to do these things um it's, it's just when your body is constantly focusing on that, that digestion of food, it, it takes away from everything else it could be doing to repair the rest of your body because of that, that energy is taken. Makes sense. So I don't do that. Um, however, I will typically stop eating within two hours before bed. It definitely helps me sleep better. And in the past, you know, I think we were of the camp, like it doesn't matter. And that's true in regards to fat loss and like, obviously seeing progress in that sense it truly does not matter if you eat right before bed calories or not. for the day but the buck stops there right 
so, you know, it definitely can impact your sleep. And, you know, if you eat a huge meal before bed and you go to bed with like being super full, of course, that's going to put more stress on your body. Like you just said, to be working hard overnight to digest. So you're, it's just, I want to just, while you're saying that, I want to piggyback on that food affects your circadian rhythm when you eat throughout the day, morning, evening, like those all affect your circadian rhythm. So having a normal eating window has been, I think, huge for myself personally. And a consistent eating window. Exactly. That's what I mean. If you change when you're eating, not to say you need to be a machine, like this isn't going to work for everyone to eat at the same exact time every single day. But in the ideal world, if you did, you would massively benefit your circadian rhythm. And that's what I'm finding with this. I'm waking up with more energy. I'm falling asleep better. I'm getting deeper sleep, measurably deeper sleep. I typically get three hours of deep sleep and REM sleep, those two things combined. I've been closer to four or five since I've been doing this, even on a rough night with limited sleep, it's getting to that point. You're digesting nutrients more poorly later at night. If you eat right before bed, your body's not digesting those nutrients properly. It does digest them differently. So cut and dry, yes, you know, muscle gain and fat loss will be affected by the entire day of eating. That's just a total number. Um, but if you can time it better, you can absolutely utilize it better for other things. Yeah. So I've been just naturally doing that, not even like trying to do it. It just so like with Kai going to bed at like seven ish lately, I usually just after I put him to bed or even right before I put him to bed, I have, you know, my final little snack nightcap and I call it a day there. And it's really nice to just go to bed I'm not hungry when I go to bed because, you know, we're eating enough throughout the day. And I think that's a big question I've gotten from clients in the past, too, is, you know, if I don't eat two to three hours like before bed or longer than that, I get super hungry and then I can't sleep. So if that's happening, you're probably not setting yourself up for success throughout the rest of the day, but that's a whole other podcast. And your body has to adapt. It always has to adapt. So if you you change your eating schedule, it's going to take time and you got to suffer through it for a week or so but your body will adapt and you'll feel the benefit. That's the point. Like when we say do this for a month, if you change something, do it for a month and then see how you feel. If you do something for three, four days a week and you keep changing, you keep changing, your body can't adapt to that. So you really don't know what the effect is. So that's important to note with everything we are talking about today. Everything we're talking about has been super consistent and we've given enough time for it to, for us to reap the benefits of it. So that's something I've been doing as far as, you know, making sure I have that digestive time before bed. And then in the mornings, you guys see my mornings every morning. If you follow along on Instagram, I wake up, I do my cold shower and, um, I have my water first and then I have my protein coffee and I'm really not eating my main breakfast meal after that until probably eight or nine when I wake up at like five 30 in the morning. So I'm not fasting per se, cause I have my protein coffee, but I'm not waking up and needing like feeling like I need a full meal. I have that and I sort of just chill whether I go for a walk or start work. Um, And it's been really nice and really just allows me to get stuff done while feeling awake. And also then once Kai wakes up, we usually have breakfast together. So it's been good in all aspects of that. But that's something that has been super consistent and just feels really good from a sleep standpoint, digestive standpoint, um, energy standpoint everything so we differ in our routines there but we both have found what seems to be working for us in this phase so you kind of jumped right through well i was just kind of i know i was touching on i'm gonna come back to it yeah so are you doing the breathing exercise every day before that when you kind of dive into from eyes opening to the cold shower yeah so my eyes open and i check to see what time it is even though my alarm's going off I make sure everything's the right time and then I dive into the Wim Hof breathing method so do you want to kind of explain that because you're much better explaining it than me Um, but this is developed by Wim Hof so he's known as the Iceman we've talked about him and if you go back to and listen to our cold plunge podcast he's awesome short short and sweet, but he basically developed this, he calls it, uh, not intentional breathing, but conscious breathing. And it's breathing a certain way that allows you to essentially reach, like you feel high when you're done. So you're putting yourself in, is it a hypoxic state? I think so. Reducing. 
And if you measure it, like I've seen videos, people measuring it doesn't necessarily change that much. Um, but what you are doing is excreting more carbon dioxide as well. So that's why, like, as you hold your breath, that's important too, because you're actually rebuilding that those carbon dioxide stores. But it's tempor- quote potentially uh, temporary hypoxia that you're putting yourself into into a state of. Um, so you 30 to 40 deep breaths. So all the way in, all the way out, or not all the way out. You kind of this is the weird let part. Let it but naturally. You, you let flow it naturally. You just let off at the top. So, and it's not a full exhale until they're totally empty of, of oxygen. But but it's fully in. Fully in. Let it out 30 to 40 times on that last breath. Hold it out. You do breathe out all the way on that last one. Hold your breath for as long as you can. And then when you're about to pass out, you inhale as far as you can. Hold that for 15 seconds. That's one round. You do that three to four times. It's definitely weird to get the hang of at first because it's not natural. And I find too, like even the holding your breath part is weird because when we like think about if somebody tells you to hold your breath, you're usually sucking in and holding your breath in with full lungs. So when you... It's intentional. It's intentional hyperventilation. Yeah. But I'm just saying it's a very strange feeling to like your body almost fights you when you're first starting to do it. Um, So, you know... What about from the... This is what I've noticed. From round one to round two, is it much easier? For me, it feels like round one is a struggle, and round two, it feels like I finally got everything greased up and yeah, oiled up, I agree. and it feels much smoother. Definitely feels smoother for rounds two and three. Um, so you do it three times through. Three to four. Three to four times through of 30 breaths. and 30 to 40. 30 to 40, three to four times through. And... It's interesting because with each consecutive round, I'm able to hold my breath for much longer than the first one, which is just really kind of crazy. Have you timed it? I haven't timed it because I'm like half asleep when I'm doing it, (laughs) but I'm definitely going to start timing it. I mean, I just count in my head, so I'm kind of timing it. You count the whole time? In my head. Yeah. Um, So I start the day with that. As soon as that is done, I get up. And by this time, it's like 5.30 takes about 15 minutes, maybe a little bit less. And I get right up and I go right into the cold shower. So I use the bathroom first, go into the cold shower and I time that. And day one was the day I didn't do it in the morning on day one. It was the day I was having like a really terrible day, like mental breakdown, probably close to a panic attack. You basically forced me to go take a cold shower and you took Kai and you guys left. And I was like, you know what? Like I was at the point where I just felt so numb from everything. I was like, I'll do his stupid cold shower. Probably said that too on the way in. I did say that to myself and I was just, I had nothing left to try or to give. I was not in a place to go meditate. So I did the cold shower and I lasted 30 seconds. It was super hard, but I did it. And after that, I did feel a lot better mentally. Like I was able to get on with my day without feeling like I was in that low space for the rest of the day and continue crying the rest of the day. The first component of that is the mental wall you just broke through. So that's that's a huge part of this is doing something you didn't want to do. You achieve that. You feel a little bit better. Forget the physical stuff. That is the first mental thing is I don't want to do this. I'm going to do it anyway. I got through it. I checked it. I can do anything. Right. That was the biggest thing for me. And that's honestly why I continue to do it every day for that reason alone. Obviously, there's been other great benefits that I'll go into in a second. But just feeling that after that first day, I was like, okay, I... I get why he does it now. And you guys know I've done the cold plunges before with Josh. I've done a handful of them probably before I stopped doing them because we were trying to, or we got pregnant at that time. Um, So then I stopped, but it was different. Like I was kind of just doing the cold plunges and the ice baths with you before back in November, just because you were doing them and because you kind of, you know, influenced me, but I didn't fully grasp the understanding of I wasn't doing the breathing at that time. I wasn't really. But we were coaching you. Kai was coaching you through the breath. So you were <laughs> Kai doing was it coaching me through the breath. So in a way, I was doing it, but it almost took me to hitting this low point and then using this as a tool to come out of it to really see the power that it held. So in a way, I'm glad it it happened that way because ever since that day, I mean, I've been doing these every morning and it's been life-changing in the sense physically because my eczema that I've had for years, probably 10 plus years at this point, 
is going away and I just feel so energized. I feel more awake. I feel more focused and I feel just mentally more stable throughout my entire day on the days that I do them. And how long are you up to? I'm up to four minutes. Um, we went away this past weekend and I didn't do it while we were away for those two days. And I absolutely noticed a difference in just how I was reacting to certain things. And I mean, granted we were dealing with Kai who was not sleeping well, but again, like this has allowed me to really just embrace everything that we do and go through my days with that much less stress and that much less like reactivity, I guess. So I'm hooked. Do you want to elaborate on like the other potential physical benefits from cold therapy? And this, these aren't necessarily supportive yet from uh, cold showers just because it's really hard to control a shower. Obviously, people can like step out or kind of be half in. They can't really test that when it comes to science on the, the science is side. similar they just haven't done this the studies on the cold shower it's themselves. similar and they say you know if you don't have access to a tub or a nice bath like the cold shower is still a beneficial thing so i just do them in the morning because i mean i'm not going to go out and fill the the ice bath at 5 a.m in the dark <laughs> maybe one day we'll have a fancy one but why don't you kind of talk about the other benefits of cold therapy that you have found i mean what i've noticed just immediately is just, I feel like a supercharged version of myself. So like I said, I've been looking for a pathway to increase my energy levels. And this is the number one thing I can put my finger on that's really changed and noticeably improved that area. So for me, that's, that's number one. But as far as what else is, is happening, you know, they're still researching on how, how big of an impact, but things that are being brought up are first of all, converting white adipose tissue. So white fat to brown adipose tissue. And, um, you know, beige is like a mix between white and the a transition to the brown, basically increasing your mitochondrial stores in your fat. So you're using that as energy to create heat as that's happening. So as you're creating brown fat, you're burning white fat, which is the not healthy fat. Um, so that's, that's one thing. That's just your body's adaptation to, uh, to cold. So it's much more efficient than shivering. Shivering is not efficient at all. So just using your body's natural stores and a natural means to increase your body heat. That's, that's a huge impact. Um, increasing your, your killer T cells, um, going through, you know, if we're talking about recovery, it does help improve recovery. It's not great for building muscle. So that's, that's one of the things that kind of blunts pretty significantly. So not thrilled about that aspect of things. Um, but what I've been trying to do, and you know, this is still kind of a gray area. They're not really sure how it impacts, but staggering it. So that's why when I'm, I'm working out and I'm not doing the cold shower, I'm doing a, an ice plunge. Um, I'll do it at least four hours after my workout or on an off day. Um, so today I worked out until about 10 o'clock. I held off until about three o'clock to do that, uh, the ice bath. So hopefully that's doing something to combat that and, you know, not an issue to maintain muscle, but it's, if you're working on building muscle, it's not the best thing and that's something you want to, uh, to kind of think about. But there's also these, and this is similar to a sauna, but it activates heat shock proteins. So I can't give you the exact science about everything that it's doing, but it does have a significant impact on increasing your lifespan. And if you do want the science behind it, Andrew Huberman, the Huberman Lab podcast, mm -hmm. he has a whole episode on cold therapy that is super insightful and easy to digest. And he sort of explains what they have studied so far and the, the benefits that they know of so far. So his podcast is really awesome if we had to recommend another one to you Absolutely. guys. But I want to talk about just how I go about it because that is the probably number one question a lot of you guys are asking in my dms when you see me post about it so i get up i set my timer i turn the cold shower on as cold as it goes and i don't know the exact temperature do you know the temperature of our water it's probably 55 coming out of that okay so i mean it's gonna not gonna be as cold as like an ice bath or going into the ocean like you just recently did but the point, especially initially, is if you're uncomfortable, it's cold enough. Right. If it's 65 degrees and you're very uncomfortable and you're shivering, that's good enough. That's what they say. You're going to so, adapt quicker, though. So to increase like progressive overload for training, you can either decrease the temperature or increase the time that you're in that temperature. Mm -hmm. so. so they say it's 
you're getting the benefits when it's so cold that you really, really, really want to get out, but you know you can safely stay in it. That's like the consensus. So I get in, I kind of put my back in first, let it fall like starting from the top of my neck all the way down and I kind of just breathe there and try to slow my breath for about 30 to 45 seconds. And then I sort of flip-flop the other way, get the front of my body. I have been putting just my face in because Josh swears that his skin has improved from his cold plunges and showers. And it definitely does look really good. So I'm experimenting with uh, not getting Botox (laughs) and using my cold showers. It's a very cold fountain. From there, I sort of just every 30 to 45 seconds keep flipping back and forth and I'm not trying to like move around a ton and create more heat with my body I'm really just trying to stand under the cold water I'm not if you are moving you're actually making it colder like your your body can develop this thermal layer like where you're not as cold by not moving so oh you want to not move yeah yes um so I'm not washing my hair I'm not washing my body I'm literally just going in and standing under the cold water and breathing trying to get in sort of a meditative state and just stay focused on what's happening telling myself that my body is safe yes it's uncomfortable but it's safe and then you know I'm not submerging my head or anything like that a couple of you are asking about that there's no need to submerge your head from what I understand and all the studies that are done with the actual plunges is uh, at the base of your neck anyway yeah so no need for that um, and I just last as long as I can last and then you don't want to warm up before you so you don't want to turn it on like hot water before you get out you want to get out with it still freezing cold step out you can dry off with a towel and then I sort of just let my body do its job to warm up from there by itself and then I get dressed once I'm warm and doesn't take long takes like maybe a minute a couple minutes I'm warm again and then I'm good to go for the rest of the day and for me I'm someone who's generally always cold like especially in the morning like I never used to want to get out of bed I would always be freezing um I mean, obviously in the winter, but sometimes even in the summer months here too. And as much as it sucks (laughs) to get up and go right into a cold shower, like that's also the best way to start my day and when I know I'm not going to skip it. So that's why I do it in the morning. Yeah, it's the best way. Like the biggest thing with consistency is do it at a time that you know you're not going to skip. You schedule it like a doctor's appointment and you're not going to skip it. If you can do it first thing, that's ideal. If you're going right from that to a training session, that's not ideal. So just kind of schedule it the way you can. But if that's the first thing you face in the morning, you're getting comfortable being uncomfortable. That's another huge point. That's what we're talking about with breaking through walls. Um, Get it in, get it done, and conquer the rest of your day. You can tackle anything after that. Yeah, it really just, you truly feel like you can do anything. If you get that done first thing, it's like, Anything else the day brings on, you can handle it because you handled your cold shower. Absolutely. So take, taking that into the next component of kind of a similar concept, meditation. So daily meditation, um, it's something I have not flinched on for about two months now. So I was pretty consistent with it. This one, um, it's a daily non-negotiable at this point. It's automatic. I always do it. If I have no other time, it's right before bed, um, making sure I'm not falling asleep during it. Um, but getting it in at at a minimum, you know, 10 minutes before bed, I've been getting better about doing double sessions. So I'll do one earlier in the day and then I'll still finish up with one in the evening or right before bed. Um, but this one, the concept here, if you haven't heard other episodes, first of all, go listen, um, especially the last one, the five pillars and getting into those, but making this a mindfulness you know, bring you back to mindfulness. That's what this is all about. So living in the present, it absolutely changes your life. Like the book that I'm reading now, You Are Here. I'm going to try to say his name again, and I'm going to butcher, butcher it. Fitch, not Han. I think it's Thick. Thick? I, they said thick it in my juicy. meditation episode, actually, this morning. And I should have, like, practiced so that I could tell you better. But, yeah, you were close enough. Thick. Thick, not Han. Anyway, he's uh, not the Dalai Lama, but he's, aside from him, um, the most well-known Zen teacher, Buddhist Zen teacher in the world. Um, This is his book, You Are Here. So just reading that book just feels like a meditation to me. And just taking those concepts allows you to appreciate everything around you. So you can do a mindfulness uh, meditation. You can do a mindfulness walk. 
where you're literally just noticing birds, trees, plants, rocks, just appreciating, like getting joy just from seeing everything around you and being in the moment. But the whole point of that book that's really highlighting this for me and mindfulness in general is being present. So there's a mantra that he talks about, and I do this every single day, usually when I'm walking, mostly when I'm driving. Breathing in, I know that I'm breathing in. Breathing out, I know that I'm breathing out. Do that a couple times. So as you're breathing in, you're obviously seeing the breathing in part. As you're breathing out, you're thinking the breathing out part. I'll do that for two rounds. I'll feel a few more breaths. And then I finish with, I have arrived, I am here. So as I'm doing that, I can feel myself coming down from the clouds. The point of that is connecting our mind and our body because they're never connect. Your body's here, but your mind is always somewhere else. So as I'm doing the breathing in, I know I'm breathing in. I can feel my mind. I just imagine it above my head in the clouds. I can feel it lowering into my head. And when I finally finish with, I have arrived, I am here, it's a euphoric feeling. And it literally feels like I am now seeing through my eyes. And I can't explain the feeling other than euphoric until you do it for yourself. But it's it's absolutely incredible. Everything becomes clearer, becomes more colorful, becomes more beautiful. And literally just from being aware of what's around me. So I was joking. We were at a cabin this weekend with one of our friends. Um, their family went, we went up. And I'm, I was just explaining to him, like, I can get as much joy looking at a tree as, like, playing basketball now. And we're talking about, like, working in the garden, doing all this shit. And it's... That's not exaggeration. It's that's literal. Like I can literally go look at a plant and just appreciate it and enjoy it. And it sounds really fucking woo woo and hippie, but when your life shifts to that, like you don't need these crazy things to feel happy. And you don't care that people call you woo woo. I really don't. I couldn't care less. Like I understand how that sounds, but like I just feel much better all the time, and I appreciate everything. Yeah, I mean, so I have a funny story, but. I'll start by saying I've been more consistent with the meditation too since that day that you made me start the cold showers. And for me, I was trying to do it before bed and I realized that was not a good idea because I was absolutely falling asleep. Like just having the lady with her soothing voice like (laughs) knocks me out. So that wasn't the best time for me to do it. So I switched to mornings and this morning I, we listened to just the daily calm. It's, uh, an app and they have a daily meditation. They have a bunch of different ones, but I was listening to it this morning and right after I was done, you woke up and you came out and you told me that Cal, our English bulldog peed the bed. This is after taking him out last night for 20 minutes and he got mad because I tried to make him pee in the rocks cause we have hydro seed in the lawn right now. <laughs> And he's he just looked at me stubborn. like, I am not pissing in these rocks. You can go fuck yourself. I think he was mad we left him for the weekend, to be honest. No, and he would. He was trying to walk into the yard to pee. Okay. And he well, was very he's upset very that stubborn. I wouldn't let him into the yard. And then he would not pee anywhere else in the world. 20 <laughs> minutes were outside. It usually takes three seconds to pee. Anyway. So anyway, Cal held his pee all night and then obviously wet the bed this morning, which was lovely. But I had just finished my meditation and Josh came out and I just, I didn't care. Like it was annoying, sure, but... The, you know, I kind of just laughed it off and one day we're not going to have Cal to laugh about, but that's really morbid I know thing you don't say. like thinking about that, but it's true. And that's where my mind was this morning. I was like, He's one day, the first bulldog lived a 97 year old. <laughs> one day these struggles and these annoyances I won't have. And if this is the most annoying part of my day today is washing our sheets and cleaning up my dog's pee because we let him sleep with us in the bed, then so be it. But I let him out after that, got all of our bed cleaned up and I was letting him out and I was just looking around and I just felt in that euphoric state you mentioned, like I was just grateful for even for my dog peeing the bed. So if (laughs) this happened a month ago before I started the cold showers, before I started being consistent again with the meditation, I probably would not have handled it that way. And I probably would have been really annoyed and it probably would have been a huge annoying part of my day that bled through the entire rest of the day but because I just chose to meditate for 10 minutes this morning it was just like whatever you know you're just you're just a happier person so Mm -hmm. I'm with you on that but moving on do we have more I'm going to dive into diet without diving really into diet so this is really what I'm talking about as far as experimenting figuring out what works for you because as we tell our clients there are a thousand different ways to get to the same end result And our job is to figure out which one of those makes the most sense for you. So based on how you're feeling, based on what your schedule looks like, based on what your lifestyle looks like, 
that's why you can't go watch Johnny Hot Sauce on Instagram and TikTok and like, oh, this works for him. He looks great. I'm going to do the same fucking thing. It doesn't work like that because you will not have the same results. Your body will not respond in the same way. So that being said, Johnny Hot Sauce. Johnny, that's my, my thing. That's what that's I say. Your, Johnny Hot Sauce. Your guru. That's my go-to. Johnny Hot Sauce. Um, I've been going through sporadic bouts of fatigue. So as I mentioned, general fatigue is pretty present. I've been working through that. But like debilitating fatigue comes up occasionally. And a couple of years ago, it lasted like three or four months. And I totally broke down. Like this is, I, I think I said I would rather have cancer than have this because we, we wouldn't know what it was and why why I felt this way. You were in probably the darkest place I've ever seen you in. I would wake up. I would feel good for about 30 minutes per day. Like an, I would feel like a normal human for 30 minutes per day. And the rest of the day was, when I say debilitating fatigue, I mean... I couldn't, if I had a job where I had to leave the house, I couldn't go. I couldn't work. I, I, my brain wasn't functioning. My, my mood was terrible because I just felt terrible. Um, so I was in a very dark place. Um, so I've had that feeling for like a day or two every few months. So like I can deal with it for a day or two. Like it is what it is. It's just a shitty day. Three or four months was very depressing. But I connected the dots a little bit after the last one. I'm like, what is happening prior to this feeling? Like, what am I changing leading up to this? And the only thing I could pinpoint was this wasn't my purpose. It just happened to happen. I wouldn't have red meat for like two weeks. Like, I think maybe one time I tried to do that. And that might have been during that longer period. Um, but aside from that, like, it would just be we just didn't buy steaks or burgers for a little while. And burgers I'll talk about in a second. But primarily like a good source of, of red meat, I just was neglecting. And I'm, I'm, I have a balanced diet regardless. I still eat good things. You know, I don't think I was deficient in anything per se, um, but something was obviously, obviously missing in that. And I still take a multivitamin. I have different things to kind of cover those potential deficiencies. But like that happened. I felt like that. I'm like, I think this is it. Went out, got a steak. I felt better within an hour. Like we... Immediately, pretty it much. It was very, very quick. So... We have, I had another bout of this like a week or two ago and I had been eating ground bison. I think mm -hmm. we get grass fed either lean beef, uh, ground lean beef or uh, grass fed bison for burgers or like we'll make taco, taco meat. We'll just throw it on a bunch of stuff. It didn't help as much. So I did go out and I got a really shitty steak. Just, oh, so it was bad. so bad. I, could, I literally threw it away. You guys, it I was like a manager special, at stop and shop. It was so and it was, it was grass fed too. Like it was still quote unquote, I thought it was a good source of protein. It was the worst steak I've ever had, but it still helped. It still did help that. So I'm not sure the connection there. If you know, it's not, it's not zinc. I don't think it's iron. Um, cause I, again, my, my diet is sufficient and plenty of those things, but for whatever reason, that little bit of red meat, you know, every couple days, once a week, whatever it is, keeps me thriving. Um, but it's not to say I need to pound a ton of red meat. The point of this is I need a balanced source of, of protein. So, you know, it's fish, it's chicken, it's occasional ground turkey, it's quality red meat sources, uh, occasionally venison. Love venison. Love me some venison. And then um, a ton of plant-based protein. Plant-based protein. And I'm going to tie this in with just plants in general. So I always feel my best with as many plants as I get in, as I can possibly get in and, and diverse, diversifying those sources. So on a salad, I'll literally have eight to 10 different veggies on one salad. Like I'll make a big ass salad, throw some, some type of protein on top of it. Um, and I feel better within five minutes of that. Um, so just kind of diversifying that, um, you know, olive oil, mixing that in, having a decent amount of that natural anti-inflammatory properties, just eating quality foods, whole foods, minimizing added sugars, obviously, and processed foods as much as possible. But I've also reshaped the amount of macros I eat, so the the ratio. So I was also I was eating very well, and I would go through very sluggish periods after a meal. So not the, not the entire day, not to the same extent as what I just mentioned before. But I'm like, what the fuck is weighing me down? And I just noticed it was on some higher carb days or some, you know, back to back high carb meals where maybe for during the morning, like my post workout and then my following meal, I'd stack like a ton of carbs. What's and just a high carb meal for you? Just to kind of give them an example. Normally, a high carb meal for me is over 100 grams of carbs. So like your entire day's worth for a lot of you listening most, here. Most people, I am cutting now, so it's, it's much, much less. So I'm just right, saying. I know. But right now, 
I'm just giving perspective. Right now, higher amount of carbs is like, say like 80 plus. Still so, significant. Still significant. Um, but what I noticed, because I shifted a ton of my calories from carbs to fats, is I feel much less sluggish. And this now, I'm is, not cutting all carbs. I'm right. still cutting. I'm still taking in about 200 carbs per day, but I'm taking in 130 grams of fat. I'm still taking in 200 grams of protein. Um, and I just noticed I'm not, I'm not crashing. I have more sustained energy. I feel better throughout the day. My mind is in a better point on a better on point better. I'm thinking better. I am in a better mood. I don't know how this is going to play out longer term. This is only like, I think three days. This is three days. I think. Yeah. So I think it's important to know when it comes to this side of things, whether you prefer more carbs or more fats, it obviously depends on which foods you prefer, but also paying attention to, you know, which you, which makes you feel better too. Cause it's going to be different and a little bit different for every single human. And we're not we're different biologically. We're not out here saying go keto. We're not out here saying go super high fat, but if you need to manipulate some things a little bit there too, that's totally fine. And that doesn't impact necessarily your physique or body composition goals. That's not really what we're talking about here. Cause at the end of the day for that side of things for body composition, protein and total caloric intake are the two bigger things that matter the most as far as strictly just like changing your body composition, not worrying about any other biofeedback, but it, carbs and fats can sort of be preference. So understanding that you have some leeway there to sort of shift around and figure out what works best for you might be worth you know, navigating a little bit and experimenting with just to see you've, you've even gotten me, you know, out of my comfort zone with that too. I've been thinking about that today. I haven't started anything yet, but just sort of experimenting with that side of things. Cause I've, I mean, I've always been more leaning more towards carbs than fats, um, throughout just powerlifting throughout everything that I've been doing. And obviously my training is not powerlifting anymore. I'm not so focused on being an athlete, but it, it's interesting to see like how I would feel from that thing, from that side of things. So if you're someone listening, know that it's okay to experiment with that stuff too. But like we said in the beginning, you have to, number one, be consistent with it and give it time before you decide it is or it is not benefiting you in some way. Absolutely. And I'm not married to this concept. I'm experimenting with this to see if I feel better. Now, the immediate thing that comes to mind as I'm doing this, and I understand it's absolutely a potential factor is the amount of carbs that I need to consume, like when I'm in, like on a more normal split, I utilize more processed carbs because they're easier to eat and I'm a lot less full from eating those. So my body might just be inflamed and just like feeling like dog shit from the processed stuff I'm putting into my body. It's primarily nutrient dense and whole foods, but to get over that last little hurdle, like I'm using some random, maybe it's a bowl of cereal, maybe it's a couple of Yasso bars at the end of the day or whatever, and I'm not demonizing these foods. I'm just explaining that when I transition to more fats, those fats are coming from olive oil, they're coming from nuts, they're coming from tofu, they're coming from plant-based proteins. Um, so the overall food quality, the sources of that food is just much higher. Like it, it's just much, much, much better sources. So I understand that. I acknowledge that. If I was eating, you know, primarily potatoes and white potatoes and sweet potatoes for my carb sources and, you know, rice and yada, 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 would I feel better? At those higher carbs maybe but i do know that what you were it's doing still more not. it's more volume first of all because carbs are more calorically dense per gram than fats are um so i can get away with less volume by optimizing fats so a little a lot of variables that go into this and that's why like this is something i want to try i'm not married to it if i continue feeling good i'll continue with it um i'm also not craving the sugary shit like i just once you cut that and i won't dive into this again but too deep um but once you kind of nip those things in the bud, like you stop craving them. You actually crave those whole foods, the things that are making you feel good, especially if you're putting the time and effort in to make them taste good. Like you can make real food taste really, really good if yeah. you spend an extra 10, 15 minutes on thinking about a recipe or throwing some cool stuff on there. Yeah, we're gonna be showcasing more of just like our meals and stuff. I've been starting to do it more on Instagram, um, just so you guys know, and if you want some ideas, cause like, like Josh mentioned, like we're not, we're not doing anything crazy as far as recipes go. Um, we keep it very simple and it, our foods that we eat are, you know, mostly those whole nutrient dense foods. And that's something that has really shifted for me as far as, 
you know, coming from learning about flexible dieting now, what, 10 years ago almost, we've been tracking macros, which is crazy. But, you know, when we started, it really was just so much processed foods. And again, we're not demonizing demonizing those things at all. But moderation, we feel so much better by doing things the way that we're doing now. And that's really the theme of this podcast is you need to figure out what makes you feel good? Because when you feel this good, it's so much easier to sustain everything. And it's We're talking not, mentally and physically. Yes. And it's not, it becomes just what you do every day. It's not something that you really need to think further about or wonder if it's working because you know that it's working because you show up and you have energy and you're sleeping great and you're feeling good. And that's, that's what we're all about at SD Evolution these days. And it's, really cool to sort of see these shifts, not only with us, but with our clients and even our coaches are doing these things. And it just, it brings me so much joy knowing that we can help other people feel this good because so many people out there just have no idea how good they can feel in their body. So by bringing more awareness to what we're doing while also educating you and making sure that you keep an open mind and take the things that you know will add value to your life, then that's really just what our purpose has become. And your routine might look polar opposite to what right. our routine looks like. The point is that we're talking to you to figure out what makes you feel good and what doesn't make you feel good. So we're not forcing our ideas and our opinions on you. We are listening to what you enjoy. We are reacting to the data that we get from those check-ins. And we put those components together to find your plan and what works best for you. We make fine-tuning adjustments along the way. And as you feel better, we keep fine-tuning, fine-tuning until we hit our stride. You're adapting physically. You're adapting mentally. Um, you're just you're thriving biofeedback-wise. And again, that's through experimentation. What's working? What's not? What do you feel good with? What do you feel bad with? And evolving from that point. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we need to cut this episode here because Kai needs to wake up. Is there, on, is there anything that we didn't hit on? I'll just hit on real quick. And I'm not consistent with this at all. But... I'm working on being better with it, and I do it more often than not throughout the week, but grounding. So concept with grounding is essentially there's an electromagnetic field. I don't know if you're calling them ions or whatever. I don't know the science in this part either, Um, but you're basically charging yourself like you're charging your phone through the earth. We were, you know, as we evolved, we were always connected to the earth, and now we have never been more disconnected, and the earth itself I forget the, I don't, I think they call them knots, the, the measurement, but it was like 250 knots of this electro charge coming from the earth and we're down to 0.5, I believe. So it's significantly less, um, but it's still there. Um, so kind of connecting the air, spending some time. So that's why I've been really into the gardening. So getting my hands and my feet in the dirt, I'll go sit outside, just meditate or just sit there and look at the pond with my feet in the dirt, um, getting out there with Kai still listening or still listening to my body about this and learning about this concept a little more. It's still relatively new to me. Um, but I think it helps. I used to just, when I was having a high anxiety day at our old house, I would just lay down in the grass or go stick my feet in the grass <laughs> for like a half an hour and I would feel better. So there's, there's something the to it. And Josh would be like laying like straight as a board in our backyard. And I'd be like, I wonder if he's breathing. <laughs> So I won't dive too much into that. That's one more component of this. I aim for like 10 minutes, 20 minutes if I can. If you guys want to look it up, it's called grounding. They also have PEMF mats. I believe it might be PEMV, but I'm pretty sure it's PEMF mats. Um, Basically man-made versions of this that you would just lay on. So those sell for quite a bit of money. Probably better to just get outside. Right, absolutely. But it's just a more condensed version of it and a little more efficient, I guess. But if you want to learn about the concept, those are the fields you can kind of look into and research. Um, But that's about it. So an overview, the eating window, you know, giving myself time to digest before bed. And I extend that out in the morning. Daily cold shower or um, throughout the week, the the magical number is 11 minutes for a a cold exposure, cold plunge. So I typically do for the week, for the week. So adding that up over three or four sessions. So right now I'm back on the ice bath trend because of the morning workouts. Um, so usually four days a week, something along those lines, hose water in that stock tank that I have. And then I throw all the ice in my fridge in there, but I think I have to start buying ice because I'm, I'm adapting. Um, so I, today I actually did 10 minutes. Wow. So 
What's I'll probably yet? extend that out with uh, with colder water. Daily meditation, balanced diet, balanced protein options. Nothing's excluded. Um, tons of plants, consistent bedtime routine, um, and then ten minutes grounding as much as possible. And if this is the first episode you've ever listened to us talk on, then you you definitely think we're these like weird hippie woo woo people but i promise you i mean maybe we are i guess we are but it feels feeling good, good. i don't feels give a really fuck. good to just feel good that's Absolutely. my quote that's the, the point of this this podcast so we don't push things and really talk that much about what we're doing unless it's something we're like shit this is making a massive difference let's tell others about it so as i'm experimenting with stuff i'm not telling friends and family hey you should try this it's then i'd be the fad guy always trying this this week if I do something for a while and I notice a difference, I bring it to the team. I bring it to the family. I bring it to the friends. I bring it to the podcast. So that's what this is about. And we've been talking about, you know, concepts. The five pillars of the SDE method was the last episode. We've been explaining concepts. This is some real world application. So you guys can see some proof in the pudding. But if you have not left a review, please do so. If you're a new listener or a an OG, we appreciate you, and I hope that you guys enjoyed listening to this podcast. Where can they find you? At Josh Skutnik. I'm at Alessandra Skutnik. At SC underscore evolution is our business, and everything else you need is linked in the show notes. Catch you guys in the next one.